Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by Mother Teresa who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. I am here with my sweet and wonderful and fantastic and brave and bold friend, Gia. Gia, welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Thank you so much, Leah. And thank you for giving a platform to the plight of the persecuted Christians. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess that's what I'm doing. (laughs) I guess that's (laughs) what I'm doing today. And that is what we're going to talk about is martyrs. Um, So let's just jump in, right? I love love this. Um, We're talking about a lot of the work that you do really quickly, Gia, just tell us, um, tell, tell our listeners kind of what you're doing, what you've started, which with March for the martyrs. Um, and when you talk about persecuted Christians, who are we talking about? So introduce yourself, tell us about the martyrs, those persecuted martyrs, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. So, um, again, my name is Gia Chacon. I founded a nonprofit organization for the martyrs, to raise awareness about the crisis of Christian persecution, advocate for religious freedom, and provide aid to suffering Christians across the world. Now, many of us don't know that Christians are the most persecuted religious group, and we've seen an increase of uh, persecution against Christians in the past two years has skyrocketed over 20%. So just to give you some perspective, one-third of the world faces religious oppression, and an overwhelming 80% of the oppressed are Christian. So again, Christians are the most persecuted religious group. And now we're looking around the world in countries in the Middle East, in Asia, um, and again, across the globe, over 260 million Christians face high levels of persecution. So what does it mean to face high levels of persecution? This means that Christians are being targeted for their faith. They're facing loss of businesses, property, their homes. They're being targeted in um, the education system. They're seen as third-class citizens in many countries throughout the Middle East. And in some places, um, just being Christian is a death sentence. And we've seen this increase um, and continues to rise every single year. Okay. All right. There's a lot there. Um, So the biggest thing to take away right now is Christians are the most persecuted group on the planet. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And is there a certain location in the world where that's happening more than others? Yes. So we have kind of two factors that play into Christian persecution. So for example, in the Middle East, I think a lot of us, if we know about Christian persecution, we think it's probably just in the Middle East when we've heard of situations, um, devastating situations such as ISIS, which um, is an Islamist militant group that came into Iraq and Syria and forced Christians out of their homes by the hundreds of thousands. So we had a mass exodus of Christians um, out of Iraq and Syria. Mm -hmm. But we also see high levels of persecution in places like North Korea and China, where um, as in the Middle East, Islamist extremism is the driving factor of persecution. In places such as North Korea and China, it's extreme nationalism. So Mm -hmm. Christians are forced to worship the state or worship the president of the state as a deity. And they're forced to align with communist regimes and um, adhere their Christianity to whatever the state mandates. So um, we see this in the Middle East. We see this in um, places throughout Asia. We see this in places in um, South America as well. And again, this issue is global. So although there are many factors playing into um, Christian persecution, the common theme is extremism that drives the persecution. Mm. All right. So really, let me just really quickly ask you this question. Do you think this type of persecution for Christians is going to come here to the United States? Well, we've already seen it. And this Mm -hmm. is a controversial question a little bit. And a lot of people have been asking me this lately. But the reality is, is that there is an undeniable attack on Christianity in the West. And we've seen that play out in the last few months uh, with the COVID restrictions, where we've seen um, certain mayors and governors take advantage of the restrictions that are in place because of the pandemic. And we've seen the um, governors and the mayors specifically target Christian groups. We've seen pastors and churchgoers jailed and fined for worshiping. We've seen restrictions on worship. And we've seen radical Marxist groups call for the destruction of Christian property. And a lot of people have said, oh, well, this is just words, you know, like it doesn't mean 
you know, what they're saying. But after we had a radical Marxist leader call for the destruction of Christian property across the United States, we saw Catholic churches targeted, vandalized, uh, Christian property destroyed. So absolutely, we can see this um, beginning to take place in our own country here in America. So what is the response of Christians in the West? Um, what what are we supposed to do now that we're seeing this? And I would say that it's time for us to wake up. We have to take a stand against the attacks on Christianity that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, because if we don't defend our religious freedom, who will? Yeah, yeah exactly. No, no one else is going to defend our religion if, if we don't do it uh, for ourselves and others. It seems like in other countries um, with a lack of democracy that other other regimes other other governing forces socialism or communism seem to be the vehicle that allows for such religious persecution to unravel or began and, and happen so in the United States where we where we don't have at least <laughs> at least uh, legitimately yet maybe socialism or communism that seems to be the hope of some groups but um, what do you think are those vehicles? Like you said, COVID has been an example of an opportunity that many use. They use it as an opportunity for religious persecution. It definitely feels like that with, with so many church, like ch- churches being targeted of not being able to worship. But yet we can go, I can get, and I have, I've, I've gone and got on a plane. And mm-hmm. um, there's been a lot more people in that plane closer together than there are in the church pews. And it's fine. Everybody's fine. Everybody's fine. Like we can all be in the airport. We can all be on the plane and do whatever we want, but we can't go to this one place and worship. There seems to be problems with that. What other vehicles do you think here in the United States are being used for religious persecution? And then, and, and they're, like you said, they're trying to, they're trying to act like it's not, but the reality is, and the actions are that Christians are being persecuted. There have been many, Many Catholic churches desecrated, gone in, um, statues being torn down, the statues of the Blessed Virgin Mary, statues of Jesus, of other saints have been beheaded. There have been people who have broken into churches, um, have desecrated the, the host, which we believe is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ as Catholics. I'm Catholic. If you're new to the podcast, it's okay. If you're not, I still love you. I hope you still love me, but this is just what we believe. So all these things are going on and we see them in a little bit in the news, not too much. I think you would agree. Um, So what other vehicles are being used here in the United States? Because you are saying, yes, if we don't do something, what we are seeing of the religious persecution here with Christians, the United States is going to, is just going to grow. What are the other ways that we should be that we should be watching out for this to come in into our lives, into our cities, into our into our churches. Well, right now, what um, I'm seeing is this religious persecution or Christian persecution, Christian intimidation that's coming in the means of social justice. So mm-hmm. we see a lot of groups that are saying, "Well, it's social justice to um, you know we're advocating for the oppressed mm-hmm. when we are tearing down statues of so-called white Jesus." That is a vehicle for white supremacy. This is what these groups are calling for. And um, we see the rise of socialism in the United States. It's it's undeniable that there are groups that are socialist activists. And uh, part of what socialism is, and even though some groups will disagree with this, the reality is, is that socialism seeks to um, it becomes a vehicle for Christian persecution and also Marxism. We've, uh, For example, I'm going to call it like I see it, Black Lives Matter as an organization is a Marxist group. They've said yeah. that they are trained Marxists and yeah. they are targeting Christian uh, Christian property, Christian churches and Christian ideologies. So what we need to be aware of is um, not falling in line with a false social justice that actually is a vehicle for Christian persecution. So we, as Christians, we have to be able to discern, is this actually the social justice that Jesus preached? You know, um, is this what is going to adhere to gospel truths and gospel values? Or is this a twisted social justice that actually is seeking to oppress people and persecute Christians and remove God out of society? Mm. It's a good point, because there are a lot of groups that, that do push an idea of social justice for people to get on the bandwagon to make them feel, I don't know, feel like that they're doing something and they're good. And we all want to, and we should be able to take part in, 
in that, like you said, but the groups themselves, like you said, Black Lives Matter, the organization, at least based on their organization website and what they, at one point, they've taken it down. Um, what they mm-hmm. had li- listed was to to take down and just destroy the nuclear family. This has been the same ideology that feminism, um, second wave feminism, not first wave when we were just trying to like, you know, vote. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like have some yes. basic equality, totally. um, but second wave and third wave feminism is really built upon is this is this destruction of the family unit, destruction of Christian values, destruction of that entire um, system that goes along and is upheld by Christianity and by the gospel truths. So it's very much connected. Um, okay, so what do you like? What does the individual do about this going on right now? Like, what do we do about as an American, for those uh, for those of who are listening in the United States, like what do we do, Gia, um, to help with this? And then and then also, what do we do, or what can we do to help with the persecution of our brothers and sisters outside of our country? Absolutely. So I think a lot of times it can feel here in the United States when we're looking at global persecution, it can feel like what can I possibly do? How can Mm -hmm. I make a difference in the lives of somebody who's being persecuted for their faith, who's imprisoned across this? Um, you know, across the world, how can me myself make a difference in their life? But in all of my travels, I've had the privilege of um, going throughout the Middle East, working with the persecuted church. I've been many times to Egypt. I've had the privilege of sitting with Syrian and Iraqi refugees who have suffered so much for their faith, who have faced atrocities because of um, their beliefs and because of the the sake of the gospel. Um Throughout all of my travels, we bring medicine, we bring food, we bring clothing. And when we ask, what is the greatest need? The number one thing almost every single person will say who is persecuted for their faith, they'll say, please continue to pray for us. Please pray for the persecuted church. So I would say first and foremost, pray for our brothers and sisters um, across the world that are suffering for their faith. And we know that when one member of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer and we have an obligation in the West to remember our brothers and sisters and pray for them. Secondly, I would say never underestimate the power of your voice. We, um, again, have this obliga- obligation while we have our freedoms in the West to raise awareness about this issue and to bring Christian persecution to the forefront for the fight for human rights. This is a human rights issue. And the more people that know about the crisis of Christian persecution, the more that can be done to aid the suffering faithful. And we can do this in a number of ways. We can use social media to be a voice. We can go into our communities of faith and raise awareness and get prayer groups together. Mm -hmm. And we can be a leader in our communities in that way. And I truly believe that when we stand with the persecuted Christians across the world, it gives us the strength and the courage we need to stand up to the intimidation that we're facing in our own country. And, you know, honestly, I truly believe that with the attacks that we've seen in the last few months, and I know a Catholic vote just put um, a report out that over 70 Catholic churches have been attacked this year alone. So we've seen 70 Catholic churches across the United States. This is just that's what's reported have been attacked. Um, And that's not even including churches of other denominations. So I believe that this attack on Christianity, this increase of violence against Christians in the West has just deepened the empathy of American Christians to our brothers and sisters that are suffering serious persecution. So um, as much as the person... Yeah, the, Sorry, the, per- the, the, the persecution that right now we are receiving as Christians is pretty light compared to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. I mean, we are receiving, obviously, our churches are being damaged. Um, I know that there have been personal attacks on Christians because they're Christians here. I'm not saying that's not happening. It's just not at the numbers as it is outside of our country. Um and, and, and of course, we also have one of the things that we're dealing with in the West here is cancel culture, right? So because of our religious beliefs, if it doesn't, if, if we don't toe the line of what culture is saying, then you're canceled. And I think this is a different level of persecution, not on par with, with, with killing somebody for their faith or taking away their homes or their businesses. But it is a new level here in the West that it seems like our culture is taking part of with those who have strong Christian values and beliefs and who speak on them. There have we have this cancel culture. I mean, we, we've seen this in the very beginning. I, I, I uh, her name, her name escapes me at the moment. Oh, but the I believe it's a senator who 
who said to Judge Amy Barrett, the dogma lives loudly in you. Um, mm-hmm. what, Diane Feinstein. Diane Feinstein, Senator thank you. Feinstein. Thank you. Um, uh, and I don't want to go on to that topic. That does require another podcast, and I'm happy to do that. But that is a great example of, I'm just going to put this out there. Like this, is that, could we say that that's a level of Christian persecution? I do think it's a legitimate question of, not that statement she said, but of like, will you allow personal beliefs to affect how you interpret the constitution or the law? That's different. That's a, that's, that's a question that should be asked, right? Um, Because the law is a law and you, you interpret by the truths of the law. But I think the statement of does the dogma live loudly in you is Mm -hmm. more of a statement of religious persecution. Just, just, it's just a slight tinge. It's just like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. And I think the one thing that we as Christians can say of anybody who would say that to us or makes that statement in some way is like, the thing is, is that the culture lives loudly in you. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, if that's what you're going to say to me, right? If, if, if dogma lives loudly in me, then the culture lives loudly in you. If you're, if, the, if that, if we're, if we're going to go with that type of religious persecution. Um, and I think this is, I mean, do you see this as this like nuanced type of Christian persecution here in the West with our media and with culture and, and what you can scan and can't say on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram? It is. And they're trying to cancel Christianity. Let's just call it what it is. Any, I mean, unless you're the type of Christian and, um, this is not a judgment. This is just a a statement of truth. Unless you're the type of Christian that is only Christian by title and will adhere to whatever the, the, um, you know, the culture is saying, and you're just, um, Christian by in name only, right. Um, then they're going to try to cancel you. And they, it is absolutely true that when, uh, Senator Diane Feinstein said that to Judge Amy Coney Barrett, uh, the dogma lives loudly within you. That was a jab at her religion. And mm-hmm. we have seen that when Christians take a stand um, with gospel truths, with the biblical worldview, they are being persecuted in a sense. So what is the responsibility again? And is this really persecution? And I would say, absolutely. We need to be aware of what's going on. We need to not be passive as to what's going on in our nation right now, because what starts as intimidation and censorship ultimately leads to violence. And some people will say, okay, Gia, that's a little extreme. I don't know if we should go that far, but we've seen this again, beginning to take place across the United States with our churches targeted. I mean, how much is it really going to take? And this is not a um, condemnation. This is a Christian's wake up. This is a Christian's stand yeah, true. I agree this with you. Be bold. And we absolutely, um, you know, when we, we were given our, or given our great commission to go into all the ends of their make disciples. Okay. We're not meant to just stay in our church and agree with each other and only, you know, have conversations with other Christians. We are meant to go out into the public square and to bring the biblical truths and the mm-hmm. biblical world view to the public square. So how are we going to be able to uh, be a witness for Christ if we're too intimidated um, of being canceled by the culture? So I would say what we need to do is we need to continue to stand up. We need to be encouraged in the faith. We need to be encouraged by the word, encouraged by the mass. And we can look at our brothers and sisters who are boldly standing for their faith and be encouraged in our own faith life. Amen. Amen. I couldn't agree with you more with this. Uh, I, I find it so interesting I find it so silly, but so interesting that a Christian would be attacked for being a Christian. You're like, why does it shock you that I believe what Jesus says? Like Mm -hmm. the book is there for anybody to read. Why, why is it, why are we shocked that, that Christians actually talk, walk and act like a Christian? Mm-hmm. That's what kills me. It's just like, but but our culture and our faith, um, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, lack of leadership, lack of catechesis and formation, a lot of different things, personal responsibility, um, so many different pieces of that that have weakened Christianity and how we practice it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have never, I have never lived in such a time with such weak Christianity around me. And I, Absolutely. I'm young. I'm not saying that I'm like, you know, 200 years old. And so I've seen so much, but in my 41 years, I have never experienced such weak Christianity 
living around it within my own church and within my own fellow Christians, within my own fellow Catholics of like, what is happening? And this type Absolutely. of persecution that that is coming down, down the pipeline, well, if we're already weak in standing up for our faith, if we're already weak in believing what our church states and what's in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we have the great commission to go and make disciples, and by the way, those are disciples of Jesus Christ, not disciples of Judas, then, right? then what are we doing? Then like, we shouldn't be shocked that we just don't stand up to those who push back on our faith, right? Absolutely. And I think what's going on in our church and why we've seen this um, and it's just going on in the body of Christ in general, and this is across all denominations of Christianity. Um, it It's that fear of being canceled by the culture. It's that fear mm-hmm. of not being liked. But Jesus never said, go and be likable. Okay. He never <laughs> said that the gospel is to be nice. That's not what, um, although we're meant to love our, um, you know, love our neighbor, but it is not charity to not speak the truth. Ch- charity has to have the truth in it. And we as Christians are meant to be the counterculture. We're meant to be the unusual difference in society. And we're meant to be the beacon of hope, truth, and love in society, being that witness of Christ. So we have an obligation to speak the truth. And quite frankly, if our leaders are not going to do it, then we as the laity need to step up to the plate. Mm -hmm. And we need to be the body of Christ, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week and every hour of the day. I, yeah, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it any, any, any better, Gia. I think you said it right. I think for every person who claims himself as Christian, if you say that you follow Jesus Christ, then, uh, you know, that's just the path there. You only have one path. I mean, let's just be honest. Like it, 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 you, you take that. And that's not to say that being a Christian during this time and the fear of being canceled, the fear of people who just are horrible is easy. Uh, no. It's not. It's not. I think every, I would imagine every single one of us have experienced at some point, some level of, some level of persecution in our life, in our lifetime because of our faith. Um, Mm -hmm. I know up recently over the past year, couple years, but definitely the past year, that's just, that's been, that is really shocked me um, on my social media platforms where I'm like, what? Why would you follow mm-hmm. me? Like, you know who I am and what I believe. Like, why would you spend the time commenting such hate? Like, totally. <laughs> just go find your hate friends and talk hate together then. I don't know <laughs> what you knew, but like, why Totally. You, like, I would not go and follow a diehard Satanist or atheist and be like, I want to see what they have to say. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I don't agree with you. And why totally. would I go and comment on your Instagram page and send you DMs like this is really going to convert that sat- Satanist or this is going to convert <laughs> that atheist? Or why would I be shocked when an atheist says when you die, nothing happens? You know, I mean, I would like totally. I'm sorry you believe that and I'll pray for you and I hope to see you in heaven. You know, like I like it just it kills me that that's where of- we're at. Totally. And a lot of times, Leah, it's other Christians. It's other people in the body of Christ that are um, coming against. What is wrong with us, Gia? Why are we persecuting? (laughs) This is the new level of persecution for martyrs, Christians persecuting other Christians. I mean, that's that's disturbing. Mm -hmm. It is. But, you know, I think I think just to go back to your point really quick where you said it's not easy. And it's true. It's not. We, you know, when we take a hard truth, when we stand up for the faith, when we defend our Christian values, when we defend life, especially when we defend, um, you know, bringing Christianity into the culture and true Christianity, we are going to be met with persecution. And maybe in America right now, it's not the persecution that our brothers and sisters are facing in Iraq or in North Korea. But Christ promised that we would be persecuted. He promised that we would have trials. He promised that there was going to be consequences for speaking the truth and for preaching the gospel. But he also said, take heart, I've overcome the world. So our hope is that, and this is what's so beautiful about the persecuted church and what we can learn Mm -hmm. from their faith is that we know that our time here is minuscule in in the sense of our eternity, right? And we know that through Christ, we have strength to overcome the trials and the temptations that we're facing and he gives us the grace to overcome it. Okay. So 
Amen. I'm with you a thousand percent. I was just looking up something that, cause you reminded me of what is going on and, and talking about our, our persecuted brothers and sisters and our persecuted, um, the, the ones here in our country too. Let's, I want to talk about something and bring something up just recently that's hit the news. Um, and it's about Cardinal Zen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he has made his way to the Vatican. It, the pictures yeah. are so sad watching him walk into this empty St. Peter Square, um, mm-hmm. march up to Pope Francis, um, knocking on the door, so to speak, and there's no answer. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Tell us what is going on. Tell us, tell us about the, the persecution in China. Um, and what is Cardinal Zen wanting? He, he, he's asking Pope Francis, I believe, to send them a faithful shepherd. I think it was interesting. His words were, don't just send me anybody because you've done that before and didn't work yeah. out. Um, so what can, can you just explain what's going on there with this type of there? Because there's a lot of religious persecution going on right now, um, particularly in China. Um, so what is happening and what is Cardinal Zen um, doing about it? Thank you so much for bringing this up because this is so important. And this is an opportunity where we as the church in America can use our voice and advocate on behalf of the suffering faithful in China. So very quick, like elevator pitch of what's going on in China, because as you said, Leah, it's, there's so much persecution and it's been, um, not something that's new. It's something that's old in China where we've had the church persecuted for many years, but basically Mm -hmm. to break it down, um, In 2018, there was a Vatican deal that was made with China that basically said that the um, Vatican was going to appoint bishops that were selected by the church, uh, I mean, by the state of China. Okay, so what? Who was in charge? Gia, who was in charge of that deal in 2018? Well, it wasn't Pope Francis, which a lot of people think it was. There's actually a whole committee in the Vatican and the Secretary of State for the Vatican that makes these decisions. It's not just one person calling all the shots. So the hope was that this deal would lessen the persecution for the underground church in China, where previously the Vatican had been appointing bishops to the underground church and not the state appointed church. Okay. So when this happened, um, basically a lot of the bishops that were in the underground church were removed from their office um, or forced to adhere to the state mandates of what the Catholic church should be. And what actually happened was that persecution increased in China. Now what Cardinal Zen is doing. So he's the uh, retired Cardinal of Hong Kong. He is basically pleading the plight of the persecuted in China. And he's begging the Vatican number one, not to renew the Vatican deal, which they just did last week, but also number two, to please, aid the church in China from being persecuted too. We need the Vatican's voice to protect the underground church and protect the body of Christ in China um, from the persecution that's happening. Because what we've seen is that the state in China is now increasing persecution. They're going into Christians' homes. They're removing crosses from churches. They're changing the Ten Commandments. They're um, going into Christians' homes and taking crosses off the walls. And if they don't um, put a picture of the head of the state in China on their wall where the cross was and worship him as a deity, then they're in some places uh, having their food supply cut off, they're having their water cut off, and they're facing even going to jail and imprisonment for it. So Cardinal Zen is calling upon the Vatican and Pope Francis to appoint a faithful bishop, appoint a faithful shepherd to the body of Christ in Hong Kong and to the underground church. Now, the Vatican has huge a huge responsibility to protect the body of Christ in China. And unfortunately, in the past two years, we've seen the Vatican failing the underground church and the body of Christ in China. So that's everything in a nutshell. So what we can do is we can beg the Vatican, we can implore the Vatican to um, use their diplomacy to protect the church and to meet with Cardinal Zen because Cardinal Zen is, um, he's basically the voice for the voiceless in China right now. And so we need his um, advice, we need his, um, his opinion, and we need his leadership in the underground church to be taken seriously by the Vatican so that the persecuted will be protected. I find it very interesting. <laughs> I say interesting. It's just, that's like tongue in cheek. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty mm-hmm. disturbing um, that back in 2018, when, when they were putting together this role, I'm looking at the stocking right here just to make sure I got all my facts right. Um, one of the people that was in charge and a part of this, even prior to that um, was a, uh, 
now laicized um, former Cardinal mm-hmm. Theodore McCarrick, who, yes. if you don't know, could just be about the worst, you know, shepherds inside the Catholic Church has now been laicized. Not going to go into that right now, but it's disturbing mm-hmm. to say the least. His involvement in all of these things, and in and in China, and these agreements by creating an opportunity for the state and the Vatican to um, become so friendly that it ignores yes. the underground church, and then yes. has opened up these doors of where we're at now. Um, I just that I just there, there are some interesting characters that are going on in this process. So if you're not familiar with church, with, with some of these things within the Catholic church and with the Vatican and who's like, who's been there and who's been at the helm of some of these committees and a part of it, you probably should take a nice look into that. You'll probably be pretty disturbed um, as it relates to Christian persecution and Cardinal Zen begging, um, mm-hmm. trying to get some type of response to the, did he send a dubia a while back to Pope Francis, is that correct? Asking and ple- and asking for help. Many times. So Cardinal Zen has been outspokenly criti- critical of the Vatican deal with China. Um, and he's many times gone to Pope Francis into the Vatican requesting an audience, requesting um, certain assistance, requesting a faithful bishop to be appointed, as we've said. And, um, you know, he's not always denied an audience, but recently we've seen that the attitude of the Vatican not necessarily Pope Francis. And I want to make that distinction because a lot of people are um, blaming the whole thing on the Holy Father, but it's not just Pope Francis. It is the Vatican and these committees and the Secretary of State um, have an increased of, I guess, I don't know what the right, the politically correct word here. Yes, an increase of neglect towards what's going on to the faithful uh, body of Christ in China and specifically to Cardinal Zen. But pray for Cardinal Zen pray for his courage. Thank God for his courage. He has been so persistent and he really is a voice for the voiceless in China. And so we can pray for him and we can also pressure in an, you know, in a place of humility and honor, pressure the Vatican to meet with Cardinal Zen and to appoint a faithful bishop to Hong Kong. To respond. Absolutely. No, I do think it's a shared responsibility, you know, of, of Pope Francis and everybody, all the Vatican officials. It's not it would be so easy if we could pinpoint all of our problems onto one person. Not saying that that one person of any group or organization doesn't have a role to play in the, mm-hmm. you know, um, ups or downs of what's going on. But yes, there's a lot of shared responsibility, just like our world, just like our own government, right? <laughs> or all the politics. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shared responsibility of the ups and downs yes. of everything we're dealing with here. Um, but I do think it's important. Now, you and with March for the Martyrs have been pushing for, I believe, to sign a petition so that we can, that's one way that we can use our voice and saying, yes, you know, I signed it myself. Like I'm Ladero, I'm a Catholic. Please, please grant an audience to Cardinal Zen to discuss this for China. So, where can people find that if they would like to sign that petition? Yes. Yeah, so you can find it on our Instagram at March for the Martyrs. It's currently in our bio. In just I think two days, we have over two thousand signatures. So we're going to keep this going as long as we can and get as many. Uh, Christians from all denominations to put their name and to be a voice for the voiceless. So you can find it on our Instagram at March for the Martyrs. You can also find it on our website for the martyrs.com on our Facebook across all social media. And we're encouraging you not only to sign it, but to share it, share it with your communities of faith, share it with your friends and family and share it with anybody who um, you think would have a heart for the persecuted and for what's going on and has a desire to be a voice. Amen. Amen. So you know that. So for the martyrs.com, find them on Instagram as well. They're fantastic. They're one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow, uh, especially if you just want something to be informed um, and not just be like, I know this sounds crazy because we're talking about Christian persecution, but some of the stuff on social lately is just so divisive and um, Mm -hmm. angry, like totally like everybody's turned angry elf all over mm-hmm. social media, you know? And so um, there's a line, there's a line from the movie Elf that says, you must be a South Pole Elf. And I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody's totally. a South Pole Elf right now. I'm like, man, totally. we need Christmas. I need Christmas like now. Everyone needs to start playing yes. Christmas music now. If that's like, people used to do that 
people used to do that before COVID to get themselves in a good mood, you know, to just, and I'm like, you know, I think everybody should decorate their house right now. They should put on Christmas, whatever it is for you that makes you just a little bit nicer. You should do that. You should have to spice candles. <laughs> I mean, light them all. I don't care what you yeah. do, but um, something. I think we all should take part and do something. But your account is one where um, there's just not this like fire breathing hate dragon behind it. You know, it's just about <laughs> awareness and, and, and the reality of what's going on. And it's nice to know that with everything going on in the world, there are so many things that we cannot do to change where we're at right now. Not everything. Don't, please don't think I'm saying that. Of course, we can still do things. Um, but this is one of those things that we can do. We can put our name on that petition. We become more aware of the martyrs all around the world and all of those persecuted for their faith. Now, do you, you just put together the very first, I, I guess it was your, your, your first, like the March for the Martyrs yes. um, this past September, early, was it early in September, this past September? Yes, September 5th was the okay. murder for the Trying to remember like how long ago that was. Um, I am, I, I live in the Midwest, so I wasn't able to be there because you're out in California. Um, but one of these days when there's not, you know, COVID going around and also I do have five children. So they, there, there's that. Uh, we are coming and we're going to go march with you. But tell us what happened when, when you had this whole event. Um, it was a very, I, I mean, is, is it the first one in the history of this topic? Yes. Yes. So the March for the Martyrs, which was held on September 5th in Long Beach, California, was the first march in United States history to stand in solidarity with the persecuted church. Mm -hmm. And we had Christians across all denominations come together as one body of Christ in the West and not only be a voice for the suffering faithful, but also to pray for our brothers and sisters that are suffering such persecution around the world. And it was incredible to see you know, one of the main goals of March for the Martyrs is not only to bring awareness, but to unify the body of Christ around this issue. When you're persecuted overseas, they don't ask you what denomination you are. You're being persecuted for the sake of Christ and for the sake of cross. So it's important that we have um, Christians um, of all denominations coming together to be a voice for the voiceless and to pray for our brothers and sisters that are suffering this persecution. So mm. it was incredible, despite COVID and the restrictions that we faced. Um, you know, of course we adhered to the guidelines, um, but we did face a lot of opposition, but it was amazing to see how many people came together. And I can't tell you, Leah, how many people came up to me and said, I never knew this was an issue. I never knew that Christians were suffering. I never knew that Christians were the most persecuted religious group. So to be able to really more than a March, start a movement for the suffering members of the body of Christ was beautiful. And it was beautiful to see what God did through the March for the Martyrs. And we'll be having an East Coast March for the Martyrs this coming year in 2021. Perfect. Do you have the date yet for that? Not yet. Okay. Under wraps. So Under wraps. we'll be releasing Still it in a couple of months. I can't yes. wait. Yes. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. I, you know, I, I find it interesting. Um, we don't talk about now, obviously persecuted Christians and those being martyred right now. Um, those being persecuted right now for their Christian faith. Mm -hmm. This used to be something, I'm just going to talk about the Catholic faith right now. Um, this used to be something that within the Catholic church, we, we, we were asked to pray with every single day. I don't know if you're aware mm -hmm. of this year. I just became aware of it, to be honest with you, over the past like year and a half. But so the daily prayers that the laity, and of course the the, the priests and, and religious would say too, for sure, but the laity were encouraged to pray was, was the daily prayer called Prime, and it was part mm -hmm. of the Divine Office. The divine Office is what this this whole uh, book of prayers were that are split up. They're all different times of the day, many times during the day, but the one for laity, the most common one was Prime. Basically, you wake up in the morning, you would pray Prime, and then you you would go about your day. You would start your day, and at the end of the night, if you could pray Compline at the end, you would do that. So th this is like this history of the church um, up until probably about 60, 70 years ago, and things began to change. And within Prime is the whole point I'm going to get to. Towards the end, middle part of the end of praying prime every every day, and for those who attend like the traditional Latin mass um, and who still do divine office, they still do do this. They, these are still the daily prayers. And so my husband and I have been doing this, and we've been noticing that they ask for you to read um, each day 
a different a different little paragraph or so from this little book called the Martyrology. These are all the martyrs, the Christian faith, from like the mm-hmm. beginning of when they were first recorded. Okay, um, and so you we we go through. My husband and I just did it this morning, and you go through and you read the names of, of what they have at least you know um, recorded. And sometimes it's not names; it's just like today there was like a person and 504 of their friends who were all Mm -hmm. killed in the name of Christ. And Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about, about what you're doing with, for the martyrs, um, what you're doing in this amazing humanitarian work is that the first step to me, at least seems to be awareness. Like you said, some of those people came up to you after the March and they were like, I had no idea. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So this idea of just becoming knowledgeable, what's going on. And for those of us who are Catholic and, you know, you can pick up a book called the divine office and pray this no matter what mass you go to, but this has been so beneficial for me to pray and to literally say the names, to say these people who've gone before me, who have given their life because they believed in Jesus Christ and they were killed because of their belief in Christ. And the idea that this, this beautiful prayer has been just kind of pitched out, you know, been like, oh, Mm -hmm. no, no, you don't have to do that one. You can just do this one over here. Um, It's, I think is awfully sad, another topic for another day. But I think, like you said, like just becoming aware of the problem. And there's a lot of opportunities that we have um, to do this in our church. If we, Mm -hmm. if we take advantage of kind of where, of, of, of what it has called us to in the past. Absolutely. And, you know, this is shocking, but there are actually more martyrs now in the body of Christ than in the times of the early church. And we know that Christian persecution is nothing new to the body of Christ. Our church was founded on the blood of the martyrs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, um, Christ, who is the first martyr for um, what we believe. So Christian persecution and martyrdom is nothing new to the body of Christ, but it's so shocking to know that there are more people dying now for the faith than in the times of the early church. And yet this issue is less and less talked about, it seems like. Um, but we know that knowledge inspires action. So it's so important that we're raising awareness about this because the more people that know about the crisis of Christian persecution, the more can be done to aid the suffering faithful. And why this is so important, um, and like you said, it's so beautiful to read the lives of the martyrs, to be in touch with um, the stories of the modern day martyrs as well, like Father Raghiv uh, Ghani, who is from mm-hmm. Iraq, where mm-hmm. he was killed by Islamist militants um, almost 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I think less than 10 years ago, actually. And he was killed for the faith because he refused to close the mass. Yeah. He said his last words were, how can I close the house of God before yeah. he was killed by Islamist militants? And we can look at someone's life like that, and it inspires our own faith when we have our churches closed here in the United States, when we have restrictions on going to mass, restrictions on worship. It can encourage your own faith life. And I want to talk about this is, I'll be short with this, but I want to share this. What does the word martyr actually mean? And this is so beautiful. So now we've adapted martyrdom to mean to, to die for what you believe. But in, if you look at the context of what it was in the new Testament, and we look at Stephen, the martyr, it's actually Stephen, the witness. So Stephen was the first martyr who was stoned to death. Um, you can read that about it in acts if you haven't. Um, so what it means is the Greek means to bear witness to what you know to be true or bear witness to the truth. So martyrdom brought on the meaning to die for what you believe because Christians were bearing witness to the truth of Christ and dying for it. To be Christian and to bear witness in the times of the early church meant that you were going to be persecuted and ultimately put to death for your faith. And how can we adopt this idea of martyrdom adopt the idea of bearing witness to the truth in our own lives um, and be encouraged again by the modern day martyrs and the martyrs from the early church as well. And it's beautiful. I would encourage everyone to do it. And it will encourage and strengthen you um, in these times where we need to be strong in the faith. Yeah. Now that is beautiful. I'm so happy that you brought that up. So Gia, all this going on, um, we can connect with you at For the Martyrs on, on your website and definitely on Instagram. Make sure you give them a follow. We'll add that to the show notes. So you can easily just click it and click follow and, and make that happen. Um, so what what else you got going on? Like, Gio, what is what are your hopes and your plans for this for the martyrs? Like, what should we expect from you? What should we expect to see and hear? What do you want to do with all of this? 
Well, going forward again next year, we're going to be holding another March for the Martyrs, and we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to rally the body of Christ around this issue, to continue to raise awareness and be a voice for the voiceless, as I've said many times throughout this um, podcast. Um, But we're going to continue to plead the plight of the persecuted, to raise awareness about the persecuted church, and pray for our brothers and sisters. And um, if you're interested, we're also going to be doing humanitarian work. We're going to be bringing medical missions to the persecuted in the Middle East next year. So stay tuned with us if you're interested in volunteering. There'll be opportunities for that as well. Um, but outside of For the Martyrs, I just continue to encourage the body of Christ. That's really my primary mission, other than being a voice for the persecuted, is to encourage the body of Christ here in America and encourage to pe- encourage young people especially to find their identity in Christ and be strong in their faith. Now, for your website, ForTheMartyrs.com, is there... Don't you have something in there where um, we're able to help, like, be a patron or support or donate something like that? What tell tell us about that and how we can how if if we want to put our money towards something that's helping our our persecuted brothers and sisters, how can we do that? Absolutely. So for the martyrs, um, again, our primary mission is to raise awareness about the crisis of Christian persecution, advocate for religious freedom, and provide aid to suffering Christians. So part of the aid that we provide. We have refugee programs where we provide groceries and tuition support for refugees living in Jordan. We provide aid to suffering Christians in Africa. And we also have a Bible smuggling fund. So if you have a desire to put the word of God into a persecuted Christian's hands who's never had a Bible before, you can support any of those projects. And we have ongoing projects to support the persecuted. So you can find more about that on our website and it'll go through, um, the different ways that you can get involved through giving. I love it. I think that's an excellent way to put your money exactly where you need to these days. Um, and really, and really helping others. I, I love that. I love that. Love that. Love that. Ricky and I have already, already joined up. And now part of that, I encourage you to do the exact same, um, in helping our persecuted brothers and sisters. Okay. So, so, so Gia, give us a challenge. We like to wrap up our podcast with the challenge. There's so much that, challenge, that I feel like has been challenging in this conversation at times. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe we should let everybody off. But um, like, what's something we can do still? Let's let's not make it easy for us as we sit here in my nice, you know, warm home with um, reading a Bible and going to church and not having anybody um, persecute me for that, uh, even if I have to wear a mask. Um, so give us something. Tell us something that we we can do. My challenge to everyone listening would be to take a stand. Don't be afraid to take a stand. Don't be afraid to be canceled by the culture um, or to face backlash for sharing the gospel truths and for witnessing um, the you know the testimony of Christ. I would say take a stand now more than ever. We need the church in the West to be strong. We need people of all ages, young and old, um, to. Be a faithful servant of Christ. And part of being a faithful servant of Christ is being able to bring our faith to the culture and stand firm on the gospel when times get really difficult. So now more than ever, the culture needs people that are bringing truth, that are standing on the word of God. And I would challenge you to go forward, knowing that Christ is on your side, knowing that you operate from a place of victory um, and that no matter what trials you face, that Jesus Christ promised that he has overcome the world. And we need your voice more than ever. I love it. I love it. It's a good challenge, especially, you know, it's a needed challenge and one that is probably a lot more difficult than what it sounds like. It's interesting how much fear is behind the keyboard or how much fear is behind the screen that we have. Um, I don't know about you, but I've received so many DMs. Oh, I see. I receive a lot of DMs. Some of them are... Some of them are like hate DMs now. I used to get hate email. Now I used to get, get hate DMs. <laughs> Again, like... It's better than a hate email. <laughs> I guess so. Like this is... I don't know. Like why? Like you don't even have to spend your time typing. But anyways, um, but I do receive a lot of DMs, not hate DMs, but DMs from 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 others that are just saying, I, I, I feel like I just want to leave social media completely. It's so toxic. And granted there, that might be a, that might be a solution for you. I'm not saying it's not, I think, I don't think that like you have to be on, but for those Mm -hmm. that are on, um, there is a deep sense of, of fear as soon as they go on, because they're so scared. Someone's going to know what they believe. 
and that belief, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a, you know, true Christian belief, um, is so attacked. So I think your challenge is, it, it truly is exactly what it is. It is a challenge for us to really um, be the people that we proclaim to be. We cannot be fearful in saying who we believe. Um, Christ said, I mean, you know, follow me and my father. Don't forsake me or my father. We won't forsake you. So we Absolutely. need to do, be doing the same. Um, thank you so much for being with us on, on this podcast. I can't wait to have you back. I know you're going to do something even more. This is going to develop even greater. And I can't wait just to bring you back, especially before the next March for the Martyrs on the East Coast coming in 2021, you said, right? Yes. Perfect. So we'll, get, we'll make sure we stay on that. Hopefully I'll be able to attend that one. I love it, love it, love it. I still wear my shirt. I'm pregnant right now, so it's starting to get a little tight there, Gia. But um, <laughs> I still wear my martyr shirt, though. It's super cute. Um, but the the picture of Jesus on the front is stretching. Jesus looks like he's had too many donuts, so I'm going to have to... <laughs> But the world is in the right spot. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is. It is. So it's just, I'll have, to, I'll have to post a picture of it. It's actually pretty funny. Ricky's like, I don't know if you can wear that anymore. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, mm, it just looks awkward. That's so funny. <laughs> anyway, um, also really quickly before we head out, I've got, well, let's see, I got my piece of paper here making sure I got it right. I do have. Um, I want to give uh, a shout out to all of my Patreon members. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting this amazing podcast. I call it amazing because it just is because I get to talk to amazing people. And that's why this podcast is so great. Don't forget to go to iTunes and rate it and leave a comment that really helps us. Um, but a couple shout outs to my Patreons. Um, Meg from Texas. How you doing? Aileen from North Carolina. Dave from Indiana. Barbara from Florida. And Michaela. Here we go. Two Texas people. Meg and Michaela. Hopefully you guys know each other because Texas is so small. So anyways, thank you for being my newest Patreon members. Um, if you would like to become a Patreon member, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash Leah Darrow. Um, if you've been following me for a while, or if you haven't, then I'll just let you know again, I am a huge fan of The Office. And so don't be shocked when you go to patreon.com slash Leah Darrow and you see all of the levels as characters from The Office. So that's what that's about. In case you're like, where have I landed? I'm, I think that's Leah Darrow. <laughs> This doesn't look like it. We'll just stick around. It'll be super fun. But there's a lot of fun things you can get in there. If you become a Patreon member, uh, depending on what level you you choose to um, uh, support us, you can get things like a great mug and lots of different fun things. I'll let you guys check it out there later. But remember, um, whatever you do today, whatever you do um, this week, um, just do something beautiful for God. Spend some time really thinking about that. I think that the name of this podcast, which comes from St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, could not be more apropos for, for right now at this time, um, where we see such, such uh, hurt and such division and such hate that we truly can do something beautiful for God and who we are and what we believe and the kindness and the charity that we can give ourselves and others. So go ahead and do that. Do something beautiful for the Lord. All right. God love you. God bless. And I will talk to you later. Bye.